Hello and welcome to the Codex Prime Podcast. We are on episode 291, and it is Tuesday, July 12th, 2022. I am your host, Victor Omoyo, and with me, as always, is my co-host and social media chair, Carl Bird. What's happening, everybody? That's right, and joining us live at the Codex Prime Studios, we have a very special guest. Uh, he is of he is a member of the Black Nerd Book Club, uh, local uh, Rhode Island uh, Rhode Island group. Uh, party people, please give it up for Mr. Sean Andrews. Welcome, sir. Hey, what's up? Uh, on in the social media streets, I go by Sean the Stampede. He's Sean Stampede on Twitter. Um, co-founder of the Black Nerd Book Club, a former host of the Thirty Fifth Chamber podcast. Uh, so, you know, looking forward to chopping it up with you fellas tonight. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. And tonight we're going to be talking uh, all about uh, Thor: Love and Thunder. Uh, so we'll be getting into that. Uh, we'll, get, we'll give some of our spoiler-free impressions, and then we'll dive into the spoilers uh, later on. And then we'll talk a bit about you know what, what we've been up to, like uh, you know just chop it up over some nerd stuff as per usual. Uh, y'all know how we do on our show. Uh, before I get into the proceedings, as Carl is sharing the episode, I just want to give a quick shout out to two of our sponsors of the podcast. First is Silk City Hot Sauce. Uh, Silk City Hot Sauce. They're a Vermont-based uh, business. They have such a wonderful tantalizing flavors, such as Tales from Silk City, Pull Over, very spicy. Um, um, and as you said, uh, Sean, it'll ruin your day if you have enough of it. <laughs> Indeed. Yeah, listen. Yeah. And then there's also uh, the Ladies' Choice uh, uh, flavor if you're for those of you who want something mild and flavorful. And you can get these couple these flavors and all 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 and so much more on SilkCityHotSauce.com. Use the promo code Codex. That's C O D E X, and you'll get fifteen percent off of your order. Also, we do want to give a shout out to another friend of the show slash sponsor, Infamous Customs. That's M F A M U Customs. Our friend of the show, Afton Ward. She'll uh, she. She'll help hook you up with all sorts of uh, custom-made Codex Prime merchandise, T-shirts, as well as any uh, T-shirts and other apparel of your choosing. If you have any custom-made designs that you want to see printed, um, you can uh, um, get in touch with her, and um, she'll hook you up. So, yeah, Infamous Customs. You can go to infamouscustoms.com and also on Instagram. So, yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah, here we are. Uh, well, yeah, we're... We're going to talk some nerd shop. So, uh, Sean, yeah, tell us a bit about yourself and uh, Black Nerd Book Club. Okay, so, uh, like I said, Sean Andrews, Sean the Stampede on Sean the Stampede on Instagram, Sean Stampede on Twitter. Uh, I've been a nerd probably my entire life. I started on Ninja Turtles. <laughs> like, so, Same. You know, Man, listen. Same. You know. <laughs> so, it's... Uh, at this point, is it's a passion. It's not just a hobby. It really is a passion. It's something that you know motivates me, inspires me, and uh, I just love connecting with fellow black nerds. It's fine. It's so funny to me. I I laugh at people who say, "Oh, I don't want new people into this because you weren't here when it when it wasn't cool." Mm-hmm. And I'm like, "Nah." Every one of my homies that I meet, that's a brother and that's a nerd, we're like, "No, come in, come in. We've been trying to put people on." So it's it's always exciting to connect with fellow black nerds, and that's actually the genesis of the Black Nerd Book Club. Started 2017. It was just my boy Jordan just kind of put out a little call. It was like, hey, y'all watch anime. Y'all want to get a drink, <laughs> get some pizza? And it was like, yeah. all right, fuck it. So we all started hanging out. We One of the times we hung out was at Tom's Bow Bow before it closed downtown. We just started recording the conversation. That started us out 
you know, we started podcasting from that and just was a group of friends that hung out, talked nerd shit. And back in 2020, like the top of 2020, Jordan hits me up. He's like, can we do some community service? I was like, yeah, what do you want to do? It's like, can we do something just, you know, involving the nerd stuff and give back? I'm like, can give comic books to little kids. Mm-hmm. He was like, all right, cool. We bought a gang of books. I gave some from my personal collection. Yeah. We went to a community center and like, we we're so excited. Like, yo, this was great. We had a bunch of volunteers. The kids loved it. Can't wait to do this again. Maybe two or three weeks later, the world shut down. Mm. You know, we picked it back up 2021. Now we're kind of doing our own thing. You know, uh, we've done some, we've done an event at the Cornerstone Complex in Pawtucket. And, you know, we don't look at, we don't look at what we're doing as we need to attract a mass base of people that we're helping immediately two or three kids at a time all right we can be grateful for that that they came out because just from talking to the kids and talking to the parents especially talking to the parents there's not a lot for the kid that isn't into sports mm-hmm. and you know what you guys understand probably understand as well as i do there's no such thing as a kid who's just a nerd like you know we have different interests we have i love sports i love music but for the kid that does want to be an artist the only options are either you have the money to go to a course at RISD as a child so you can, you know, so your parents can afford to pay for you to indulge in that hobby or you find other ways. So what we believe we're doing is we're creating like a network where eventually we'll be able to just direct these parents to the resources for their kids that are in the comics, are in the manga and anime. Yeah. And hopefully, you know, if we can help one kid get there, we feel like we've done our job. Yeah. And at the core of it, we're also homies. You know, we we go to movies together. We talk about anime. We talk about manga. We all have the... That's the bonding piece. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's basically it. I'm a comics fan, first and foremost anime and manga came after but kind of took over and you know for what I'm reading right now I'm trying to stick with X-Men there's a lot of different titles <laughs> like I can't I can't keep up I'm just like alright just give me the main <laughs> and then uh, I read One Piece every week I'm trying to catch up on uh, Sakamoto Days and a few other things but yeah that's basically me in a nutshell awesome and and it's cool that, uh, that what you said earlier about you know like you know, using like the nerd culture, the nerd space to invite people in because as you, as, as we've probably seen, like how we can see how gatekeeping, gatekeeping nerd, nerd culture can be. It's like, Oh, you don't know this reference. Like you're not a real nerd if you haven't seen this, this show or read this book. So it's, it's, it's refreshing to hear that, you know, you're using that as a platform to invite people. And it's like, Oh, it's like, it's, if anything, it's great that it's your, it's your first time experiencing this. Like, so hopefully you get the same joy that I did when I experienced it. Yeah, exactly. I saw a TikTok a couple of weeks ago where the dude was just no, you were you were making fun of me for liking Dragon Ball, and I was like, and I started like writing out a response and tried to record it. I just never finished it. But the idea is like, no, you were probably already lame, and that's why the people didn't want to come up to you and say, "Yo, you like that Dragon Ball Z shit?" I watch that every day because every like you know they stereotype the jocks, for instance. Yeah, every dude you knew who hooped was at home at 5 o'clock yep. and watched Dragon Ball just like the rest of us 
and they come to school, and if you were cool, they said, yo, you see that episode last night? Yup, I saw it. You saw it? Yup. That shit was dope. And that was it. And if we gatekeep, we're only pushing people away, and we're only making people not like us. Mm-hmm. So it's like, yo, you gotta bring people in. Like the dudes who don't want women involved. I'm just like, what's wrong with what's y'all? You? <laughs> yeah. Like, it's... no, let them in, let them in. This is, we need the excitement. And believe it or not, the people who, so the kids that we've spoken to, the ones who really know their shit, mm-hmm. those little girls. Yo. They they are on it. Like this one little girl told us all kinds of stuff about My Hero Academia. We're like, oh, she's really studying. Like she is watching these episodes. Mm-hmm. So we need to bring people in because the reality is no person is one thing. Yeah. My boy Jordan is a professional runner. He is an he is a by definition a jock. He's someone who played sport who participated at a very high level in athletics. But has one of the biggest manga collections of anybody I've ever met. There is an NBA player or who, I forget his name, but is the owner of Noir Caesar. Mm-hmm. So we exist in all spaces. And until the nerd community really embraces everybody who wants to be a part of it, mm-hmm. it's always going to be seen as a niche. Yeah. You know, and... Even with what's going on with the MCU and how people treat Marvel, that has a large element of that gatekeepy, you know, we don't want it if it's not what we remember kind of energy to it. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's very well said. <laughs> yeah. And and also, too, like, like nerd culture is, like, incredibly mainstream now. So, it's if anything, it's to it, it seems much even more sillier now to gatekeep it's like oh like you haven't seen this MCU. it's like like oh, virtually nine 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 people out of ten have seen most of the mcu like whether it's shows or films so it's like what are you really trying to try and defend or yeah. gatekeep you know comic books are hard like <laughs> being a comic book fan is a labor of love mm. you know like i just mentioned with x-men my homie tweeted He's like, where do I start with the Hickman run on X-Men? I'm like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> we going to start you out with powers. And powers house. and house. <laughs> <laughs> and then you you can read the main X-Men run. But. But. <laughs> <laughs> and that's a strong but. But, but you, can, right, you might get... You're going to need to read the first few issues of X-Force, and then you need to read Marauders. Then Hellion, Hellfire. (laughs) It just keeps going and going and going. I'm like, you know how much time it would take for someone to be... Like, I look at old dude on uh, Comics Explained, I'm like, man, I wish I hadn't. (laughs) Like, Like, he's blessed to have made it a career. Because otherwise, how do you read all these books? Like, mm. a week. Like, there's, I think there's five or six new X books this week. About, yeah, about that. I looked at it. I didn't put, I was like, I think after Powers and, after Powers and House, I was like, all right, this is going to be a lot. I can't do this right now. And then once I'm like, yeah, I looked at it, I was like, it's just not happening. <laughs> like, I can't. I got the first issue of, the, like, of every book when it started. Yeah. And I was like, all right. 
I don't like these five. I mess with. I really like these two or three. And the rest, I'm indifferent to. If the covers yeah. don't, maybe I'll pick it up. Or if it's a real important story. That, that's what I've been doing. <laughs> yeah. But right now, I'm like, yo, give me the main X book. I know we have the uh, No Judgment Day starting. So oh, I can't wait for that. That's going to be really dope. But it's, you know, other than that, I think I'm, right now I'm reading. I mean, Nightwing kind of fell off for me a little bit. And then the latest Robin series, mm-hmm. uh, Damian Wayne's uh, solo series has been pretty solid. At least the first arc of it was really solid to me. So, you know, keeping up with comics is a full-time job. So we can't expect the general population to do that. They need people to just point them in the right direction. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So Yeah. Not to mention, I also love being that guy. I love being that comic book guy where where it's like somebody watched, you know, an MCU movie. And I'm like, I'm that guy (laughs) who can break shit down. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Like, you know what's going on. You know... All right, here are the main players. Even if you didn't read the book, you kind of have a general sense. Exactly. Yeah, so. I was expect. Yeah, a friend of mine from work, he was watching. Uh, he just watched um, Doctor Strange. He's like, "Yo, who's the Illuminati?" And I'm like, "Now it's my time to shine." <laughs> All right. That's what it feels like. It was like it's my. T- I was ready for this. <laughs> like, let me. So come along. Let me tell you something. Or you just be like the Charlie Day meme when he's like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> You gotta like give them all the because there's different levels. When people want to, when I explained to my girl who the Illuminati were, she was just like, "Yeah, I'm out." <laughs> <laughs> but like, I have other friends who were like, "Oh, is this a thing in the comics?" I'm like, "Oh yeah." yeah. And like, yeah. And they, I said, "In the comics, they're way worse. worse. They, you know, yeah, they kill. Like, they've done some stuff." So, I mean, I'm looking forward to chopping it up about Thor with y'all because Thor was. I have conflicting feelings about it because I've only seen it once. Okay. I have not taken a ton of notes on the movie though, so um, I've got some thoughts that I've been compiling on it. Disappointed when I didn't see Cheesy. <laughs> yeah, shout out to Dish won't kill my vibe. Good looks on the shirt, brother. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, I do. I do want to give a huge shout out. I had a busy weekend this week. <laughs> Um, so this weekend I uh, DJed at the uh, a pop up farmers market okay. over at uh, Columbus Square where the uh, Christopher Columbus statue used to be on the uh, over where uh, Elmwood Ave and uh, Reservoir meet. So yeah. it was cool to kind of just ch- you know just kind of just chop it up, play. I got to play whatever I liked, nice. and little kids and the young kids loved it. I was like, this is dope. And then uh, Sunday, I did go out to the Cape Verdean Festival, which was, you know, Cape Verdean Festival. It was always popular. Oh, yeah. And then I ended up DJing. I was chosen by DJ Lefty to open up for him at the Sunset Party at 148. And, yo, that yeah. was a vibe. Mm. The, the, I, I had this man voguing. <laughs> once I do on the once I do on the Beyonce break your souls and then I just do on like the, those old like House Robin S yeah the uh, old school kicks one hundred six sound thank <laughs> you thank you the finally it's <laughs> yep and yeah and then I stay you know I stayed for a big show set and then Lefty just straight killed it at the end and I was just like. Why am I so tired? Yeah, I went to work like I went to work the next day. Like, yeah, I need a cleanse. Right <laughs> now, I drank a lot this week, <laughs> and then obviously, you know, going to see Thor with the Black Nerd Book Club and stuff, which was a time to be had. So, yeah. Yeah. that was a, it was dope to see you and your lady come out. It was a good time. 
Um, the one that we're really looking forward to is Black Panther 2. Yes. Hopefully we can get 50 people out for that one. We got 18 for the first Black Panther. But I don't know. I'm I'm kind of on the fence about what that movie's going to come out. I'm like, what is we, yeah. where are we going? It, it's, it was so nerve-wracking. Did we even get a trailer? No, we no got trailers yet. yet. No, yeah. Nothing. And this is like, normally this is like the, the, the time that we're supposed to get like Yeah, at least something. A teaser. But yeah. what happened was, so... I guess down at Essence Fest, they had a panel. So Namor is in the movie. Yeah. So I'm like, I don't know if black people are ready for what this might look like. Because this might go in a direction that a lot of people aren't going to be happy with. Because you guys read the, you guys know the story like Wakanda, Atlantis, you know, Buzz and Crip kind of beef. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we'll see, but they, I guess they did have a panel down at Essence Fest and it was well received. So I'm looking forward to seeing more come out. I know D23 is this year and they're going to be at Comic-Con. So we gotta, we gotta get something at least then. Yeah. Well, I think. I think this is going to be the year where they do like they did 2015, where it was the big announcement of everything coming for the remainder of phase two and phase three. Yeah. So I think it's coming. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully, yeah. Hopefully Wakanda forever will, I'm sure, I'm sure it'll turn out to, I'm sure it'll, it'll turn out to be in, enjoyable. Although like I, I am a little concerned. I, I think that, um, I think that Disney, um, perhaps reacted too emotionally when they immediately said that they would not recast uh, Chadwick Boseman's Facts. role as T'Challa. I thought that that was too emotional because they painted themselves into a, a corner immediately. Like, you could you could, you could, could have a new actor take over the role and make it clear to the viewers that, hey, you know what? The reason why Chadwick Boseman built the table, we and we know this, we will never forget him, but we have this new actor, we will continue the legacy of Wakanda forever. They should have gone that route instead exactly. of saying... Instead of saying, "Oh shoot, like what do we do?" I, I guess Shuri can fill the role or something like that. You know, it's. Yeah. I mean, which is comic book accurate, but my thing is, just because the actor died doesn't mean the character has to die. Exactly. Yeah. And like how Heath Ledger died, and we end up. Well, we got Jared Leto, but you know, but yeah. you get what I mean. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, I I think the problem with how they reacted to it was. They felt the pressure to make an announcement immediately. And we yeah, didn't right. need that announcement. Mm-hmm. We all knew that he died. It was sad and the community grieved for it. Oh yeah. That said, silence is often golden and they could have just left people hanging. What are you guys gonna do? And the community would have talked about it, but they could make a decision later. Mm-hmm. And that you're correct. It was an emotional reaction. Now, what I think is probably going to happen with they keep talking about incursions. They're going to blow the universe up. I think I think it's coming, um, and they'll and they'll reboot, and then they'll have a reason to. Okay, now we have this new Black Panther. Now we have this new Iron Man because the other pieces, and I've been worried about this since the beginning of the MCU. They weren't killing off D-list villains. Mm-hmm. They were killing off A-listers. A-list yeah. Yeah. So I'm like, okay. Please don't kill off Doctor Doom after one movie. Oh, <laughs> God. That would be such a misfire. Which, 
I don't know if you guys saw this. Just mm-hmm. sidebar. There was someone who put the beginning of all caps by MF Doom <laughs> over the Marvel logo. I would and I was like, freaking scream. I would if- cry in the grown man tears in the theater <laughs> if that's how they opened the Fantastic Four movie. And now I'm convinced this is the only way to open it. Yeah. <laughs> and like, it's the only way to open it. And just put RIP Daniel Dumoulin at the end and I'm good. Like, <laughs> Yo. So. But and here's the thing, like Mar- Marvel Studios, they're very culturally aware to do something like that. They could do it. Yeah, most definitely. But I do think they're gonna blow up the universe. So they can get a lot of their their A listers back. Yeah, they're gonna start like the fact they're keeping Kingpin around is a good sign. Um, and I think the fact that I think once we get to Fantastic Four, Doom will be the first villain that really hangs around. I think Kang is going to be one of them that hangs around. But there is that strong connection between Kang and Doom anyway. Yeah, exactly. So it's, it's, it's family connection. Yeah. So. And, yep. and also, too, to answer uh, uh, Mandish uh, Singh's question, uh, who would be our choice to fill the role of Black Panther? Two actors in mind. Like you could have, They could have either cast uh, John David Washington. My choice. Or, or Stefan James. I can go with either of those options and be perfectly happy. I think John David Washington doesn't have the same level of gravitas as Chadwick Boseman, Mm -hmm. but I think that he could do the role justice. Correct. Oh, yeah. And because, but there's also other roles that I think that 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 he could fill in the MCU. Mm. Like, I think a lot of times we're talking about I think people lose sight of the fact that most of the MCU is like the C and D list yeah. of Marvel. The only A lister that they've ever really had, and it's through some weird dealings, is Spider Man. Mm-hmm. So when we get to X Men, <laughs> that's when that's when the big boys are really coming out to party. Right. No you know. So we'll we'll see what happens in the next couple of years because I think. The announcements at Comic Con and D23 are going to set us up for what's going to happen with Fantastic Four, who lost its director, so I have no idea what the hell they're going to do. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, the director, I think, was John Watts. I think it was the dude oh. who had directed the Spider Man movies. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So, it's, uh, so he dropped off. So I don't know what they're going to do now with Fantastic Four. I thought he could, that, Hugh, that John Hughes vibe. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's what Fantastic Four needs. It needs to be Daffy. It needs to be kind of like this family, mm-hmm. you know. Well, yeah, because that's the... that's when they did Fan Four Stick. That they went <laughs> in the wrong direction. So we need yeah. Fantastic Four to be kind of goofy because that's mm-hmm. what we expect. So, but X Men is going to be when you see the real big boys come out to play. Yeah, exactly. And those movies are going to be so that, expensive to make. <laughs> as, as long as they get. A, a somewhat accurate wolf. Give me a Wolverine who's under 5'10". <laughs> <laughs> I mean, no disrespect to, you know, Hugh Jackman, because he did it. He did the job. He, he did, did the, the job. Damn yeah. thing. Yeah. But, tell you, Carl Urban. Carl Urban as Wolverine? That's my choice. That's that's good. That's good casting. Because yeah, you need someone who can't. The problem with Hugh Jackman was never that he wasn't short. It was that he was too much of an A-lister. He was too much of a leading man, and he sucked too much oxygen out of the room. So when you look at the X-Men, a team... Wolverine and have, Friends. It, that's what it became. Yeah. Very quickly. I'm like, all right, well, 
I already didn't care about Cyclops. Now I definitely don't care. Rogue movie one, my little Iceman action. I just, as long as they don't do fucking Dark Phoenix again, I'll be happy. <laughs> no, I think Marvel Studios can do Dark Phoenix. I think they could. Fox just <laughs> twice. <laughs> but, yeah, I, I digress. But. Yeah, plus like with uh with X Men, I can see them like have X Men having having its own like cinematic universe, its own multiple sp- mo- movie spinoffs and shows, <laughs> to to the point where they don't really have to interact too much, if at all, mm-hmm. with the main MCU. I mean, they I mean they could and they, and they probably will, but like X Men can sustain themselves on their own. No, they definitely can. But you gotta also remember too, like the Marvel Universe is the longest running series of all time. Mm-hmm. In all of literature, all, of, all, all of literature, still going to this day, and they started in 1939. Uh, I had a feeling that wait, didn't Batman start uh, before then, or was it? They the reset the timeline so many oh. times. Yeah, so it's like I don't know exactly. I think we're back to pre-crisis. But I, oh, I get it. Yeah. It's like they keep they keep resetting. Mm-hmm. They reset the DC universe every like five years at this point. Yeah. So I don't know, but I think Marvel has kept the storyline going on that floating timeline. So it's been uh, pretty consistent. Like okay. it looks different, and they've blown up their universe a bunch of time, but things mm-hmm. stay pretty consistent. Stay, yeah, I gotcha. Yep. Now. I'll, I'll say, like, what I'm curious about with the X-Men is um, how are they going to... I don't know if the comics have addressed this at all. Like, it, how are they going to address the origins of Magneto? Because you can't have him be an Auschwitz survivor at, in 2022. He'll be, like, 120 years old at this point. Oh, they, can, exactly. uh, they can say that he never aged and stuff because of his mutant abilities. Also, but then there was... Um, there were big shout-outs to Devin Wade on this one. He mentioned this, like, years ago, where he actually made a case where... Magneto and Professor X could be black. Mm-hmm. And he said, what was the last, like, great, uh, I wouldn't say great, but um, what was, like, the last big, you know, um, what's the word? Mm-hmm. like, historical event that's close to World War II mm-hmm. to happen, where somebody could come in as old as they are in 2022 and still have, like, that mindset. The civil rights movement. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a very X-Men. fair argument. It, it, it was. I, mm-hmm. I think that they're going to... They'll do some... And like... I think a lot of people get it twisted. Magneto's origin story is not that old. It's like 25, 30 years old at this point. But his origin before that was just like... He was a dude who... He was a mutant whose family got killed. They introduced the Auschwitz survivor piece in the late 80s. Right. So it's still a fairly new thing, but I think they'll find some way to, they'll find a way to excuse it. Yeah. I don't think that they're going to create mutants. I think that mutants are just going to have been something that were always there. And my argument is always, hey, we didn't know about Captain America until we knew about Captain America. Mm-hmm. Nobody knew Tony Stark was that much of a genius until they knew he was that much of a genius. Right. Mm-hmm. So I, I I have a good feeling they're just going to kind of bullshit their way through it. 
And then people are going to be okay, Magneto's here. He's 120 years old. <laughs> like, well, 115, if you count the snap, he got snapped. Yeah. Whatever, you know? Yeah. But I think X-Men 97 is going to explain a lot. The animated series, because I think yeah. that's going to tie directly into the original series, and that's going to explain how they get mutants in the MCU. So, okay, that can make sense. Yeah. So, interesting. Yeah. Ready to get on into it, Thor? All right. <laughs> so yeah, let's uh, let's get into uh, our our review, our our discussion of Thor: Love and Thunder. Um, and we'll and we'll begin with our non-spoiler thoughts. So. Yeah, so yeah, Thor Loves Thunder. It's the 29th film in the uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's directed once again by Taika Waititi. Uh, also stars Chris Hemsworth and Natalie Portman, Christian Bale, uh, and Tessa Thompson. Uh, in this film, uh, following the events of Avengers Endgame, Thor is uh, traipsing around the cosmos with the Guardians of the Galaxy. He's sort of like their, their, their finisher, their, P- their PS, their resistance. So when the Guardians do most of the work, Thor is a sweeper. He'll sweep everything and then you know, call it a day. Another classic Thor adventure. Um, so the latest piece is where um, Christian Bale p- plays the main villain, Gore the God Butcher, who, um, after the death of his young daughter, he seeks uh, he seeks um, some sort of um, uh, reward or redemption from the from his God, who indifferently who meets him with indifference, and so in retaliation, he kills him with the necro uh, necro sword. And um, because of the gods' indifference, uh, Gore uh, declares declares a one-man war against all gods across the known universe. So uh, naturally, Thor, the god of thunder, falls within his sights. And after kidnapping the children of Asgard, it's up to Thor and company to rescue uh, the, the children and save the day and put a stop to the god Butcher. So yeah. Uh, Love and Thunder is the fourth film in the Thor series, a uh, second one uh, directed and co-written by Taika Waititi, who also start co-stars in it as Korg, the the rock dude. Cronin. Uh, <laughs> yep, yep. So yeah, we'll we'll begin with uh, some non-spoiler thoughts. So we'll begin with you, Sean. So uh, what did you think of Thor: Loving Thunder? So overall, I thought it was fine. Um. It was it was inoffensive. It was very much a retread of Thor Ragnarok. A lot of the same kind of like it was obviously Taika Waititi's humor, you know, imprinted over Thor. We get to see a little bit more of Chris Hemsworth's personality, mm-hmm. and I think. But well, overall, my main issue with the movie was that even despite its length, it was an hour and fifty nine minutes short for a Marvel movie. Mm-hmm. I feel like they had a lot of ideas and were really indecisive about where they wanted to go with all of them. Mm. So as much good stuff as in the movie, and, you know, we have the Jane Foster of it all. We have the Gore the God Butcher story. um, I believe it was Jason Aaron. Who was it? Jason Aaron, yeah. Yeah, it was the Jason Aaron run on Thor. Where most of this came from. And then you have the Guardians of the Galaxy stuff, and you're trying, and then you have the King Valkyrie stuff. They're trying to do a whole lot, and I'm like, this. He shot four hours, and I feel like a lot of it just seemed scattershot. Mm. There wasn't a clear design for the story because there are multiple interesting stories in here. 
But the ultimate story they chose to tell was disjointed and it didn't, I didn't feel anything for any of these stories at the end because they were all kind of just jumbled together. Mm. If anything, I probably would have preferred the the Mighty Thor story over everything else. Right. Like, let Thor be off with the Guardians. Let him do his thing for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Bring back Jane Foster and let her be in the spotlight and tell that story. Because that story is what if your superpowers are killing you? Like, mm-hmm. what does that mean to see a superheroine literally collapse under the weight of her power? Mm-hmm. Um, so overall, thought it was fine. The humor, very much retread. But I think the movie would have been better had they just chosen one or two stories and like had their A and their B plot, but it seemed like they had an A, B, and a C plot, A, B, C, D, E, and F plot that they tried to jam onto the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, what do you guys think? Yeah, I felt like, like as you said, they just had a lot of stories to tell, and they had to fill in those gaps. And I just felt like at least Act One, it was just okay. We got to tell this, then this, then this, then this, then this, and then Act Two kind of just slowed down a bit. And then you was able to like, all right, let's breathe. There was like so, there was a lot to tell. Mm-hmm. You know, that whole transitional period from, because remember, this is Thor's story now, for coming from the events of Endgame mm-hmm. to where we're at in Phase 4. Yeah. You know, and then Jane, Fo- you know, the Jane Foster story. And then just every like everything else, it did seem a bit convoluted and they had to tell it all right away. They just shoved it. Yeah. all in your face and then that first act and then everything just kind of like okay act two whew, let's take a breather now this is where we're at let's go mm-hmm. other than that I thought it was still fun you know the, the I enjoyed the Taika Waititi uh, humor because ah, that's just you know that's just my kind of humor um, Christian Bale freaking knocked it out of the park like always mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. It was like even watching this, I'm like, dude, this dude looks really creepy. Mm-hmm. And for the most part, it was comic book accurate. Mm-hmm. So, um, like I said, was not worried about that. They were still, in a way, introducing new characters because that's where we're at. It, you know, in the MCU right now, it's like, all right, we got to introduce new characters and tell a whole new story. And I know, like, a lot of the fans and stuff, oh, we need the big bad already. We don't want to... I'm like, no, you got to progress. You need to... You got to take... We got to take these chances with these new heroes and these new stories, you know, and to tell these new stories and stuff. And just let it play out. They had to do it the first time around with with, uh, the Infinity Saga. We had to build these relationships with these char- with these new characters. Mm-hmm. We need to do it again. Yeah. Give it time. Be patient. The payoff I have faith in them that there will be an ultimate payoff. Mm-hmm. So, give it time, but other than that, I I thought the movie was fun. Mm-hmm. You know. Overall, overall it was fun. I'm not I didn't go in I didn't go in with end game expectations. Because it's not that. And I think that's a, lo- a problem that a lot of people do have. It's like, all right, we need every movie to be like Endgame. No, then it's not going to be as special. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, so just go in, 
see you know where we're at in the MCU and just go for you know just see what stories see what stories being told yeah indeed yeah I'm also on a similar vein with 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 you guys where like Thor Love and Thunder was it was it was about what I expected like like nothing more or less it didn't move the needle in any way um I thought Christian Bale was the far and away the best element of the film um underutilized um, yeah underutilized I, I would say too um especially like I, I really liked I really appreciated the the cold open of the film where where it followed his story and like his origins um I thought that I thought that he was underutilized and I thought that too like it illustrated a a, a big issue with the film I had where Taika Waititi's humor clashed with the seriousness of a villain like Gore the God Butcher because from what I well, from what I understand um, Gore the God Butcher is rather brutal in the actual comics. Yeah, no joke. So <laughs> yeah, so when you have a character like that, and then with like Thor being sort of like an airhead, and then you have like you know uh, Taika Waititi's humor, which sort of which seems to be like uh, irreverent, um, almost bordering on like disrespect almost to the mm. MCU like for example like his his montage where he where he highlights the Warriors 3 and he's like oh yeah that guy died that guy died that guy yeah nobody gives a shit oh yeah and then it's like and then and I have I have more I have more of those in a bit when we get to spoilers mm-hmm. but yeah like that that for example like his irreverent humor clashed too much with the serious story that they were trying to tell and also with the character of uh, Jane Foster, you know, who's suffering from stage four cancer, she's dying every time she summons the mighty, the mighty with Molinier. Like that alone, like you said, could have been its own narrative, and you could have had like something where perhaps Th- Love and Thunder could have followed her. She she could have been the primary character, and she has to go save Thor from Gore the God Butcher, for example. That could have been like uh, something that they could have mm-hmm. like done. And and to your point where. Where they said that Taika Waititi shot like four hours worth of footage, that, that makes me wonder. It's like how much substantial storytelling did go to the cutting room floor that could have made this movie a much more stronger experience than than, than what we than what we had instead of like a middle of the road, just like oh, perfectly entertaining for two hours, but you know, not something that you'd go 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 and, and revisit again. Um, I thought that. Um, it, it, it did feel like like sort of like a lesser remix of Ragnarok. Like for mm-hmm. example, you could swap out like Russell Crowe's character Zeus, as fun as he was with um, the with the Grandmaster. Yeah, like it felt like it felt like hmm, maybe they, maybe they got Jeff Goldblum, but there was a scheduling conflict. So like, hey, Russell Crowe, you did. anything? They did. They did. They had Jeff Goldblum, Peter Dinklage, and Lena Headey. Wow, and they were like all they had the all f- cutting room floors. All cutting room floors. I'd be pissed if I were any of, if I were one of them. Like I think Lena Headley Headley had some had some issues too, because because I'd raise hell. Because like yo, you'd waste my time to put me in the deleted scenes on the Blu-ray. No, thank you. So, so yeah, like uh, the Love and Thunder, um, like middle of the road. It could have been so much more than it was. Um, like I said, there were a couple of like visual elements that I thought were really striking, which mm-hmm. we'll get into. But 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 yeah, Christian Bale definitely. I think Christian Bale is too good of an actor to just play a one-note, one-off villain. I thought, yeah. I thought somebody like Gore the God Butcher, given like his his story, which is so compelling, you could have him in for like a few movies, maybe like three, three. You don't mm. have to like have him be like the new Loki or anything, but just like have him like being like at least like two or three movies. That would have been nice. But but yeah, those are those are my overall thoughts. Well, like we'll get into the spoilers in a bit. So. Might as well count it down. Yeah, so yeah, spoilers <laughs> all over the shop. So for those of you who have not seen Thor: Love and Thunder, please, um, you know, watch it or wait till it hits on hits, hits Disney Plus. You know, 
or if you're extra bored, if you got some money. Uh, but yeah, spoilers all over the shop in five, four, three, two, one. There were so many goddamn montages. <laughs> <laughs> so many montages. It oh, started man. with a montage. And then it goes to the Thor montage. Then it has the Jane Foster montage. Then it has this, the Thor and Jane montage. And the Valkyrie montage. Yep. Which, as much as I appreciate the humor of an Infinity Cones, mm-hmm. that's almost like having a Holocaust-themed pizza place called Get in the Oven. Oh, ouch. Like, like, sir. I thought it was funny at first, and then I'm like, wait a second. Half of the known universe was snapped out of existence. Mm. It destroyed the the world effectively. Mm-hmm. And we're still living through it in... We're still living. We're still living through the PTSD from it. Yeah. We're still getting over an that. ice cream shop. Oh, <laughs> in poor taste. Yeah, but F- fire their marketing team. The the oh god, that was funny though. The I'm montage. Sorry, <laughs> I have a dark sense of humor, but that was good. That was yeah, good. I mean, and you know, I apologize to your audience. My sense of humor is really dark, so it's like. <laughs> but when I I'm watching all these montages, I'm like. I understand that you want to show, not tell. Yeah. But I was always okay with the storyline that Thor and Jane didn't work out. Okay, moving Mm -hmm. on. Mm -hmm. We don't need, I did not need to see the entire, because that was a solid five to seven minute part of the movie. Yeah. And where there is so much more interesting story to tell. What happened the first time that Jane touched Mjolnir? Yeah. We didn't see it. We didn't see it because mm-hmm. we saw Valkyrie doing day-to-day bureaucracy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we saw Thor. We saw what we knew Thor was doing. We saw a retread of the play, a retread of Ragnarok in play yeah. form. And that was funny in the last movie. Yeah. But there, you know, I was listening to another podcast where they mentioned... I could have just had them pop up and say, "Hey, how can we turn this into a into a scene for a play?" Mm-hmm. and kept that play scene out. Yeah. But it was just so much of like I guess there was a feeling of showing too much mm-hmm. as opposed to just like and I also kind of feel like it's a little bit of an F you to the audience. Like the audience isn't smart enough to grasp mm-hmm. that occasionally relationships don't work out. Yeah, and occasionally people have to go through something to get back to where they are. Mm-hmm. It was nice. It was funny to see Thor working out, but okay. Yep. Why do we need that in this movie when we've already been confronted with so many serious things? Mm-hmm. I feel like the only montage that was needed was the gore stuff because it covered something very important. Right, and mm-hmm. when you see him kneeling in front of his god and effectively renouncing his religion and renouncing his faith that should feel more impactful than a throwaway joke yeah yeah so rapu that's the name of the that's the name of the god and when you see him when you see rapu attack him that's He's having, and Christian Bale is such a goddamn good actor. Oh, yeah. You feel the fact that he's like, what the 
fuck. Like, I'm praying to this guy? Yeah. And it and it comes to the realization that in the Marvel Universe, gods are indeed flawed characters. Mm-hmm. So, I feel like those kind of moments were fewer and further in between than they should have been in favor of throwaway jokes. And, I mean, I'm pretty sure they could have found another montage. I think they just ran out of time at the end of the movie to show Thor's early days with love. Mm. And for those who haven't seen it, for those who are still here and haven't seen it, love is Gore's child that was born of eternity at the end of the movie. Yeah. So it's... Played by Chris Hemsworth's daughter. Yeah. So what are are your guys' initial spoiler thoughts? Mm. Um, damn, you you probably nailed it on the head. I still can't get over that joke. <laughs> that was that was for those with dark sense of humor. That was good. Um, I mean, yeah, you, I mean, you're definitely right. You're definitely right on that situation. Like a lot was shown instead of being told. Like, and that's the thing. They sometimes there were times where they just told what happened, mm-hmm. and we were okay with it. I'm like, all right, this is what happened. Let's move on. Tell the story. And I was like, no, we need to, you need to see what happened. But I think possibly one of the biggest complaints is that a lot of times they told too much and we didn't see it. Mm-hmm. So it's like, and then they just, I felt like they was just afraid to like, just leave it to the imagination. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like people are still, like people still today are, are like, still wondering like how cat, Put those, you know, put the um, the stones back. Mm-hmm. You know how do you, how he went back to his time, fixed everything with Peggy and grew old to, grew old with her and yada, yada yada. I think fans still, in a way, fans still want to see that. Me or any fans with some common sense don't necessarily need to see it. Right. They like to keep it in. The, even the Russo brothers like, we'll let you interpret that. Yeah. Yeah, because like, because um, not every last, not every last bit of lore needs to be explained or filmed. Correct. Because you you rob fans of imagine of their imagination and like, bingo. You know, and and being you know using their you know media literacy to like interpret things or like put things together. You know, so like you so like I think that's that's a problem that like that some films kind of run into where they feel the need to over explain certain lore, and that's yeah. at the detriment of the story of the right. main story. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and, and and also too like um, and to your point about the whole, all the montages that we've seen, like I think that's probably a symptom of shooting shooting four hours worth of footage, and then like figuring out okay, well we, obviously we can't make a four hour movie, so let's just sandwich together everything, every every last bit of uh, of of backstory, so that way we can catch fans up, um, and, and and it's like and it's like well I mean like if you, if you wanted to tell the story about um, about how Thor and Thor and um, Jane Foster kind of broke up, like that—that that alone could have been like its own thing, like in a Jane Foster. Sorry, Thor. In a- <laughs> <laughs> uh, Impeccable time. Yo, really? <laughs> <laughs> um, like that could have been like its own, like that could have that could have uh, fit better in like a Jane Foster centered movie where she's the main character. And Thor is like like a secondary character that she has to go save, mm-hmm. um, but when you're sandwiching that into like the main film, it's kind of like yeah okay it feels like you're kind of rushing things along right and and also too like um, 
as as good as Taika Waititi is with like humor and comedy, this is a case where it's like, you know, pick, pick a tone for one thing. Can e- either go mostly serious or mostly humorous. But like when, with the characters they have, it's like, well, you know, you're running into a problem where you're just like making make everything a joke. Uh, case in point, like like a, a a common issue, common problem that I had with a lot of MCU movies is the issue of bathos. Yes. Yeah, bathos where mm. where where Marvel films feel the need to like undercut serious moments with jokes because God forbid you make the audience feel like some sort of like real emotion. Um, so I think and I think you saw a lot of that in, in Love and Thunder where it's like where it's like, all right, all right, Taika, your sensibilities are way too much. Just take a step back or or this film would have been better served with a different director and writer at the helm, maybe. But but yeah. I think the I think because of the success of Ragnarok, they're like, all right, we have our you know, we had the failures of Thor to Dark World. Mm-hmm. The first Thor, okay, yeah, kind of did his thing. Yep. Introduced it. But now we had we struck gold with Ragnarok. Yeah. We found our entrusted director. Double down. Yeah. But it makes me worried about Taika Waititi's... Um, Damn, we are pissing this man off. <laughs> yeah, it, it makes me worried about his Taika Waititi's interpretation of Star Wars, what that's going to be. If that's just going to be like a straight-up sitcom. See, I'm actually okay with that, though, because Star Wars' biggest problem has always been if the Skywalkers aren't involved, it's not interesting. And Star Wars is about a whole galaxy at war. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So let's see what that vision is of this different set of characters that are unrelated to all the characters that we know and love. That's why I loved Rogue One. They were tangentially related, but we didn't get that moment with Darth Vader till the end. So I'm cool with Taika doing that. Mm-hmm. But there were moments when Korg got taken out. Mm-hmm. Hello again, and welcome to the Codex Prime Podcast. We are back. Uh, we survived being struck by Zeus's Thunderbolt. Uh, so we're back here once again talking about Thor, Love and Thunder, spoilers uh, all over the shop. Uh, uh, we're here with Sean Andrews once again of the Black Nerd Book Club. Uh, so yeah, um, you know we were in the middle of uh, uh, your thoughts uh, while, we, while we had technical yeah, difficulties. So I, to your point about them undercutting serious moments with humor, yeah. a really sad part where that happened was when they took out Korg. Like, Korg is this character that we have been able to see, and he makes us laugh. And killing him would have had real stakes. Yeah. But now Valkyrie's tying him with her braids, and she's fighting with him on the back of her head. Mm -hmm. And he makes daffy jokes. And that's fun, but it undercut a moment where it's like, What's happening right now is deadly serious. This guy intends to kill gods, and he has the ability to do so. Mm-hmm. What are we going to do about it? And if this is going to be a war against the gods, there's going to be casualties. Yeah. And letting Kor survive, Korg survive so you can make a rock joke at the end, which was funny. I did mm-hmm. laugh at it. Yep. It, it just kind of... It definitely takes away from what I thought could have been a really great and impactful moment. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, ultimately, 
I think that's probably the biggest problem I had with his humor is that it didn't allow the seriousness of the movie to be felt because I'm like, this guy can kill gods. Yeah. Efficiently. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right now he's doing it one at a time, but, you know, actually I kind of feel like they probably could have gotten rid of the whole omnip- omnipotent city thing like had they just gone to God's individual because trying to recruit an army again another Thor Ragnarok retread mm. you know he's going to try and he's trying to fight Hela so I gotta go recruit people mm-hmm. and same energy here yeah. where really the story the re- the best story to tell was Jane Foster is dying and she is now Thor the mighty Thor and we don't know how we don't know what it looked like the first time she got those powers <laughs> like yeah. mister i don't know about you guys i like a good suit up scene mm-hmm. and i feel yeah. like the marvel cinematic universe missed has, uh, has missed out on so many good opportunities there <laughs> it's like taika waititi is comfortable and he was afraid to take chances yeah that's that's a good way of putting it cuz like excellent yeah cuz with the yeah, he's stuck with this is probably what you're about to say yeah. he's stuck with the formula that works he yeah. had that if it ain't broke don't try to fix it mentality mm-hmm. but then he just had he, there was just a lot to tell and he just crammed it yeah mm-hmm. yeah and and also too like um like the the omnipotent city scene like it was it was enjoyable to watch like like russell crowe is like like oh he, yeah, like, great. Yeah. It was hilarious with his like phony Greek accent. And the visuals <laughs> were dope too. Oh yeah, they were. Um, although like although if if Marvel if Marvel was a little daring if they had if they had some balls, I would have liked to have like I would have I would have liked for them to have shown like just like a cameo of like Jesus sitting in there somewhere. Oh, <laughs> oh no, they can't do that. <laughs> yeah. if they want it, that's a Disney movie because you can't you can't piss off like the countries that oh. you know those markets that oh, I know. you want to appeal to. Oh, I know. Like they could have had like, uh, oh man, we could have had that Gladiator Two Christ Killer idea oh, like, in this. In the, in the, in the, <laughs> but uh, but uh, but yeah, like um, I'm sure somebody made a joke about that on set. <laughs> but but yeah, like with the omnipotent city scene, like as as funny as it was seeing Russell Crowe, um, I thought that that's where you could have had Gore the God Butcher be like at its most effective. Like, what if he single handedly invades? that city oh, that and kills fire. so many gods and it's like oh shit this is serious, serious yeah. let's, let's drop all the jokes and quips and like let's get our shit together um but at the same time as long as taiko was at the helm i'm kind of glad that they didn't go that route because i'm sure we would have had like some unintentional comedy like this deadly serious scene would have been like hilarious mm-hmm. and and, I, and it would have been like the biggest case of like bathos yes in mm-hmm. in the mcu and, th- and the movie would have gone down several notches for me mm-hmm. so so at least at least there's, there was probably some restraint there. But can I say now? I know we we pretty much been like roasting the shit out of this movie. Can we at least address one good thing? Sure. The cinema, the cinematography when they made made it to the shadow realm. Yeah, that Excellent. was freaking gorgeous. That was that black and white, mm-hmm. and then I almost felt like it looked like an old film. Like an old cowboy movie when they had it in the black and white, that filtering it just yeah. it just worked for me. Mm-hmm. And you know, I almost feel like it was taken away a little bit when they started giving all the little kids powers. Yeah, but 
just the way that it was lit. Yes. You feel the gravity of being in a space that's just complete darkness. Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Two words. Sin City. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. yeah. Like, I would love to see a, a Marvel, an MCU movie just, love. like, just completely black and white with, there's like, a, splashes of color. There's a Nora universe that they have in oh. the comics. Yep. Yep. Perfect. There you go. It's perfect. Yeah, they can have like a whole like Nor series. Like you can even have like a series of films or like or like one season with like each episode with a different character. Take it a different set. Yeah, you do a Punisher movie in all black and white. Oh, oh my god! Watch it every day and twice on Sunday. Yep, yep, yep. Like, Luke Cage has a Nor series where it takes place in the thirties. Yeah, yeah, and with the black and white, you can get around like with it being like way too violent. You can like have like be bloody, but it's all black and white, so you can't be. Yeah, like, you can't see it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it's literally. I mean, I wouldn't go. Frank Miller, The Spirit, Frank Miller, Sin City of Dame to Kill For. Oh, no. But Sin City 2005 energy, yeah. I'm, all, I'm yeah. all for. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but that, yeah, that was great. That was one thing I was like, you know what? He nailed it with this one. He mm-hmm. nailed it with this part. And then also, I mean, more credit to Christian Bale when he visited the kids. Yeah. And he's just like, what's up? What's the matter? Like I was getting that I was getting that Heath Ledger feel to it. Mm-hmm. He's like, I mean, don't you want to see a head get chopped up, get decapitated? <laughs> there you go. And I was like Yep. I actually thought of you. He's like, if he's watching this, he's smiling at this point in time right now. <laughs> oh, I chuckled. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It it was kind of the perfect like because if you know the comics version of Gore, he's sadistic as yeah. all hell. Mm. And up till now, he's been treated very much like a joke. No, that's when he's talking to the kids, it's kind of like, no, this guy is dead serious. Yeah. Mm. Um, another point I just wanted to mention in terms of something I appreciated, how they handled Mjolnir mm. and with Jane Foster yeah. and the way that she was wielding it. Mm-hmm. I thought that was finished. Finish. Yeah, I thought that was cool. It was like it would just like she would yield, she would like throw it, and it will fall apart. It will come apart, yep. mm-hmm. destroy whoever's inside, whoever's inside, and it would just come right back together. Yeah, like that was sick. Yeah, yeah. So. yeah that was put. That was pretty clever. And how it formed with the uh, necro sword. Oh mm-hmm. yeah. I'm close. like that could have been like some, but then necro means death and all that. Yep. If it would have been like, they could have kept it alive if it would, if somehow, some way. Uh, Zeus's lightning bolt mm-hmm. came apart yeah. and formed with mm-hmm. Monia. Oh, yeah. Jane Foster's wielding that mm-hmm. and then he cures the cancer or at least like in the comics prolongs it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I think they're setting her up to become a Valkyrie at some point. Yeah, it makes sense. She's gone. Uh, it's, you know, again, oh, it just okay. kind of falls back to we're trying to do so much in this movie. We mm-hmm. can't let any one piece of it breathe long enough for us to really like work with it. Because yeah. the Thor versus Gore, like, I thought the fight scene was interesting, but I thought Jane's fight scene was more interesting. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, it was just the way that, because there was a lot of uniqueness in yeah. her approach. And we didn't get any of the, like, even with Thor's powers, she would not know how to fight. Yeah. Mm. And we didn't get that. And that's one thing I feel was missed. But them showing her fighting, 
she had to do things a little bit different than Thor. And it, I mean, maybe because I'm just a dork and I watch a lot of like, I watch for certain things in fight scenes, but I'm watching how they're not showing her being as kind of brutal as Thor. It's a little bit more finesse in her approach, Mm -hmm. not bull in a china shop. Yeah. So I actually really like that as well. And also with uh, what made Jane's uh, Jane versus um, Gore's battle so much more interesting because there was it was a lot more at stake. Mm-hmm. Like her legit life, she's at the leg, like the tail end of her life, and this is what she's doing with it. Mm-hmm. You know, like with so much at stake, you're like, yo, she could really die. Can something happen? And that's when you were like more glued into the glued into the situation on the screen instead of just like you know, it's like, all right, well, easy you just kinda know that she's gonna be alright. Like you're actually on the edge of your seat scared, like could could this be it? Can yeah. she finish this out right. before she dies? Yeah. Right. Cause you know what you knew it was coming at a certain point in the movie. Yeah. And and also too like when when we do see uh, uh, Jane Jane die in Thor's arms as she like fades away in in, in eternity, um, in one of the post credit scenes, we see her resurface in Valhalla, and then we see Idris Elba, and it's like and I'm thinking to myself, oh, how much money did Disney just fork out to so I had to have him come back one more time? And also I didn't since when did he have a son anyway? But uh, but yeah, like I have questions about that as well. <laughs> well, yeah, simple and, fact, and, hey hey. And, they didn't tell everything. <laughs> they didn't show everything. True. They just told us. Yeah, yeah. give and, them that. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. That's yeah. fair. Fair point. And, yeah, and, and I think that like with with Valhalla, even though that's like the the afterlife. Yeah. Um, I have a feeling that it's like, oh well, it kind of un- it definitely undercut that emotional moment of her actual death because it's like, okay, well, when are we? Okay, so all right, so my my, my clock's ticking. When are we going to see uh, Valhalla be another multiverse that'll end up in the main? Uh, MCU and when are they gonna like affect change and all yeah. this and and, and 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 that brings me back to another point what I mentioned earlier about the Warriors three, like if, if, when you watch the, when you watch the first two Thor movies like the Warriors three like they're 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 seen as like important supporting characters for Thor mm-hmm. like they're his mains they're like his team like his go tos mm-hmm. under Taika Waititi is like yeah who gives a fuck and yeah. and then yeah. and and that brings me to another point like. Lady Sif, why is she even around? No, no, I have nothing against the actress whatsoever. Like she's just doing her part. She's playing what she's, what she's giving, but the character Sif is useless. She, how? Ask yourself this: What change has she affected at any point in the MCU? None. She's an exposition machine at that point. Yeah, like they had that great scene pulled right from a comic. <laughs> yep. And then said, "Okay, you're going to be here, and we're going to." Use this moment to crack a joke, get some exposition out of you, and then on to the next montage. Yeah. And that was the, you know, that was like the downfall of that movie for me. Like I said, the movie as a whole, fine. You know, am I going to go pay to go see it again? No. Will I watch it on Disney Plus? Maybe. But it's times like that where you have a chance for something impactful and you throw it away for a for a one-liner. Yeah. Or, you know, because there were also a lot of tropes in the movie. Like, it went from literally, all right, Sif is our human exposition machine, mm-hmm. and now 
we're on a MacGuffin hunt. <laughs> we're going now. We got to retrieve Zeus's thunderbolt. Yeah, and Zeus's thunderbolt is a physical sword now, kind mm. of, sort of, maybe staff mm. type. Like it was very Disney in that moment. Yeah, and so it was. You know, I wonder what they're going to do with it next, though. Which kind of goes against my whole ethos, uh, my whole argument that a lot of fans aren't waiting patiently to see what happens and see that build up, and yeah. understand that even in comics, after a big storyline ends, we have this little recovery period where everything slows down. We go back to villain of the week, mm-hmm. and maybe that's probably my biggest problem with Gore as a choice for a villain, right? Because he's not villain of the week quality. I feel like Thor had some real throwaways and you could have had Gore in the background doing what he does. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's kind of like how they say Age of Ultron was really just kind of a couple of weeks, a couple of weeks of Ultron or yeah. five to five to seven days of Ultron. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was more like Gore's you know, he killed about ten gods of thousands. You know, Gore just getting started. Mm-hmm. So I, I feel like because we are in that period of just rebuilding and restarting and resetting, maybe you use a villain of the week to just dispose of and show Jane kicking some ass. Right. Before we yeah. get to like someone like Gore, who is such a heavy hitter. And still, relatively new character. I think he came out 2014 in, in that Jason Aaron run. Mm. So, but that's his thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And and also, too, like, um, if you're a god, turns out a thunderbolt through the chest only knocks you out for a few hours. Doesn't kill you. Well, it's Zeus, so it's kind of like, it's Zeus. He's the god of all gods. So. Yeah. But but I, I, but it does it does, uh, it does leave uh, a bit of an intriguing... Um, um, uh, thread for for the fifth Thor movie, where where Zeus made, had a point. It's like, well, you know, nowadays, you know, people used to well back in the day, people used to look up to the sky and worship us, like we were the gods, like we were mythology. And now nowadays, you got superheroes running around, and it's like they forgot all about us. But we're the OGs of this shit. We built this table. Yeah, Hercules, my boy, go after Thor. And uh, apparently, Hercules is some comedic actor. Uh, um, Brett Go- Brett Goldstein uh, from Ted Lasso was it? Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. So interesting casting. Um, from what I understand, um, Hercules is kind of a goof in the Marvel comics. Yeah, um, but him and Thor, him and Thor like have had some battles. Okay. Mm-hmm. So yeah. so so that'll be interesting seeing um, seeing uh, Thor versus some of the old gods like with Hercules. Maybe he'll go against the Greek pantheon. Uh, maybe he'll fight Kratos in a crossover. <laughs> Who knows? Mm-hmm. Oh, um, fun! Uh, fun fact: uh, he played he played Tony Stark in an episode of Robot Chicken. Oh, oh nice! nice. <laughs> <laughs> Here you go. Here's a a Marvel connect. Hmm. I mean, what is interesting about using Greek gods in other media is you can go anywhere you want yeah, with them. Yeah, you can. Oh yeah. And you know, I feel like. It's gonna sound kind of fucked up, but y'all are from Providence, so you you know every couple of years we have a thing that starts. Like there was that point in time where two or three frozen yogurt shops showed up 
on Bear Street randomly. Mm-hmm. And then they just and then we had like four Korean spots that just showed up. Yeah. And like we go through phases, right? Mm-hmm. And I think media is is still in this kind of phase where they're obsessed with Norse culture. Mm-hmm. <laughs> where it's like, okay, now Kratos, who was perfectly fine fighting in the Greek pantheon, now he has to go to take the Norse pantheon to take all them out. Yeah. And I think that's where we're at right now. So I'm surprised they haven't leaned more into the, the Norse mythology of it all with the mm-hmm. Thor movies. Yep. Um, because it was an interesting opportunity to bring in the Sky Fathers and start, you know, have show this relationship between Odin and Zeus. Because obviously, all the gods hobnob, and it was played mostly for laughs. But the Sky Fathers in the comics are dead serious; like right. it's not a problem. They're a problem. Yeah. So, um, I it is surprising that just from a from the world we live in now where everybody's kind of obsessed with Norse mythology that they didn't play more into that and they didn't bring more of those gods in and show more of those gods getting taken out mm. by gore um, and kind of add some stakes to it for Thor. Yep. Yeah, that's yeah, that's a good point. And, and also, too, like, um, you, can, you, can, you can also see, like, uh, the Celestials play a bigger role because we, yeah. we did mm-hmm. see them... In in the in that um, omnipotent city scene as well, um, but then again, that would mean more of the Eternals, which <laughs> <laughs> what? Yeah, um, yeah. Eternals is a movie that the more I think about it, the less I like it. And even though Chloe Zhao is an amazing director, it's like that movie that it really should have started as a series. It, it should have been, yeah, it should have been. That was we, that's another one that it, it, one that one it, it just went it went too long because you're telling the story of ten characters. Yeah, that's a lot to that. That is a lot to digest. Not to mention they're already complicated characters as it is, mm-hmm. and they're already D-listers, like. Yeah. I feel like current fans of the MCU do not understand the characters that Marvel was working with. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, don't get me wrong. I loved Iron Man. I loved Captain America. But I knew as a fan, these are the backbenchers. Nobody cares about these guys. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So when you bring out the, which I don't know how far you guys are into Miss Marvel, but the Inhumans. Everybody hates the Inhumans. I've never heard someone say, you know who my favorite character is? Black Bolt. One person I heard say that. And it was Michael B. Jordan. And I just don't believe it. <laughs> he said it in an interview. <laughs> like, I just, I'm like, name the five Black Bolt comics that you've read. Because I just don't believe you. I just don't believe you. Nobody, like, I don't think I own an Inhumans. I'm, hold on. I can name them. I can name them right now. Dylon, Dylon, <laughs> Dylon, Dylon, Dylon. Like, I'm just like, no. So when, so Marvel has taken these characters like the Inhumans and like the Eternals and tried to take things that are very complicated mm-hmm. and tried to make them really simple for people. Yeah. And the Inhumans, they're not as boring as the, inter- as the Eternals, mm-hmm. but they're not, they're not that interesting. It's just kind of like, 
They've been on Earth forever, and they're here for reasons. Yeah. I have, what, one, two, <laughs> two, four. I have six Inhumans comics. I have one. Four of them are literally just the hip hop, the Marvel hip hop covers. So I don't even count. You <laughs> <laughs> so I collected those comics for the covers. One is actually number five, which is the first appearance of Yelena Belova. And one is the True Believers. So yeah. I bought it for a dollar. Wow. Yeah. Like, well. like there, are t- there are good reasons to own those books. Mm-hmm. But, like, I've never seen anybody just be like, you know what I can't wait to see? Medusa. <laughs> you know okay, what I'm looking forward to? Lockjaw. Mm-hmm. Okay, people like Lockjaw, so. <laughs> uh, people, lockjaw, some, people, some people mess with Lockjaw. They fuck with Lockjaw. Uh, the, you know, Marvel's just trying to make these characters interesting. When you bring out the Inhumans mm-hmm. and you say, all right, or the, uh, you bring out the Eternal and you say, all right, let's explain the Celestials. And nobody really understands that, all right, we have to explain this, and then we have to explain why they're here and what their powers are, and all these things in one movie is a lot. Yeah. That should have been it. It should have been it. It definitely should have been a uh, TV series. Oh, yeah. And it raises, like, way uh, way more logistical questions as well. It's like, for example, okay, if the Eternals have been around for this long, A, like... How come they didn't step in and help out against Thanos? They B, couldn't. like, so they just like they just sat on their asses against all the atrocities in human history: the Holocaust, genocide, slavery. Yep. They're just like, eh. just watch that happen. Yeah, and, and we're supposed to care about them. Yeah, okay. No deviance involvement. Yeah. <laughs> it's not our problem. Yeah. So I feel like with like these situations are going to keep popping up where they try to get deeper into lore, <laughs> and. You have to choose, am I going to tell a really great story? Or am I going to try to jam as much exposition about these no-name characters as humanly possible as opposed to just telling an interesting story? Because if you tell an interesting story, people are in. They're sold. Right. Captain America is fundamentally a boring-ass character. Mm. But the way that he was handled in the MCU, especially in The Winter Soldier, mm-hmm. piqued his interest all the way up. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because it was like, oh... Cap is really a badass. Mm-hmm. And if you read the comics, you knew that. You knew that if Cap really wanted to, he could go He could go to where Frank Castle can go, only worse. Mm-hmm. If you read the comics, you understand that. But the average fan, they never got to see Captain America wield a gun mm-hmm. and see what he does with that shield and how he fights. And the fact yeah. that, yeah, he could beat Iron Man's ass effortlessly if he really wanted to. Mm-hmm. But people just don't. But you have to show people that and get them into it. Yeah. Um, we have Sinead Wells in the chat. She says Marvel comics are a part of human history as well, like the actual canon. Think about Stan Lee. Hmm. That's a good point. It's like, um, yeah, because like the Marvel takes place like it references like the real world, um, yeah, like real cities. So that's why I love Marvel so much because I feel I I feel a part of it. Mm-hmm. Because it takes place here, yeah, you know, mostly in New York City, mm-hmm. but yeah. here nonetheless. Well, specifically yeah. in Manhattan. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but uh, but yeah, you know, you know, and, and as as uh, 
you know, and, and, and as flawed as the on-screen uh, representations of Inhumans and Eternals were, still better than Iron Fist. Nobody cares about Iron Fist. Iron Fist is trash. Who cares? Leave that man alone. <laughs> I'm sorry, but yo, like... I, I don't want to blame the actor, but Iron Fist, they the, need to start over. Drawing board. Uh, they, 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 could, they, they could bring back, like, Daughters of the Dragon and then just pretend like Iron Fist disappeared across all multiverses. And no one, no one, no one remembers who Danny Rand is. It's fine. Yeah. Yeah. So that 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 show hurt you. Those three episodes hurt you. Yeah. The first three episodes, I, I was done. I couldn't continue. Oh yeah, I struggled. You. I struggled. <laughs> I, it took me a year and a half to finish that first season. Oh, wow. <laughs> I, I just gave. I gave it, up yeah, it could, times. it could have given. Mm. It was prog- It progressively got better in the second season. Not by much, but it did. Like it was like, all right, you guys are. Track, and then they got canceled. I'm like, well, okay. Well, the problem with Iron Fist was always like, I was like, okay, you guys have shown it's so Daredevil's martial arts were it was like brutal street level martial arts, right? Okay, yeah. cool, but you know how to do martial arts choreography, mm-hmm. do that, but more elegant and more cleaned up. And that's Iron Fist. Yeah. <laughs> More traditional martial arts. Yeah. At a street level. And mm-hmm. that's Iron Fist. I, that's cool. Make his hands glow a little bit, too. You know? Make, give him a goofy mask. What's with the curly... Why is he walking around, around without shoes? What is this? He, he's, but, he's a hipster. You know, he, he <laughs> yeah. tried his best. It was just weird. Yeah. It, it, just, it just... Yeah, it just kind of... Sorry to derail from Thor. Guys. No, it is oh, what it is. Fine. I mean, I still, I still got my Easter eggs coming up. Um... Let me at least bang these out real quick. Okay. So, okay, those goats are actually named uh, Tooth Nasher and uh, Tooth, Grin- Tooth Grinder, and they made their debut in uh, the Mighty Thor Annual Number no. Five in 1976. And their scream was actually uh, inspired by the Taylor Swift uh, goat, scre- uh, goat screaming meme. Oh yeah, how long? Ago? How many years ago was that? Oh, uh, probably that like meme? four. And I'm mm-hmm. just throwing out a number. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, Thor's handshake was actually a little bit of a tribute to Loki because if you remember, the handshake ends with the uh, the snake that you do not trust. You know, mm-hmm. if they did the Asgardian one finger and stuff, which was I admit it was kind of funny. Yeah. And uh, but yeah, it's in reference to the childhood story that Thor told, where uh, Loki disguised himself as a snake. So then when he picked up the snake, mm-hmm. Loki turns human again and stabs Thor. So that was that. We mentioned the Celestials. Oh, and uh, during Thor and Jane's reunion, Jane said that, oh, it has, what's it been, like three to four years since we since we broke up? And then Thor goes, oh, it's been, you know, eight years, seven months, and six days, but give or take, you know, that with the five-year difference, that actually indita- indicates that uh, Jane Foster was snapped. Yeah. Mm. Oh. Um. We are. We mentioned, you know, one of them that the actors, you know, the actor, um, the actor's kids actually made cameos within the movie. Uh, obviously, we mentioned India Rose Hemsworth uh, as Love Gore's daughter, uh, Christian Bale, Natalie Portman, and Taika Waititi's kids were the uh, new Asgardian children, mm-hmm. and uh, Thor and um, Hemsworth's uh, twin sons were actually uh, they played young Thor. Mm-hmm. Um, in the comics, the, Ecro- the Necrosword is actually uh, directly connected to the symbiotes, and that was the symbi- and um, the symbiote god Null wields his character. That would have been interesting. Null versus Gore. 
I think they're going to try and bring in Null, but because Null is owned by Sony, yeah. well, the license is owned by Sony. It's still a Marvel character. But, yeah. Oh, and uh, Wolf Woman was actually played by uh, Hemsworth's real-life wife, Elsa Pataki, of Fast and Furious 5. Oh. Fame. Interesting. Yeah. Asset for these eggs. <laughs> yeah. There's yeah. definitely... There was a lot of good in there. I felt like the goats thing, the first time it was funny, and then it, as it kept going, it was like, well, all right, whatever. Well, it was, like, it was, good, it was pretty spread out. So yeah. they kind of just came out of nowhere, and yeah, I'm like, oh, shit, there they are again. But uh, yeah, then it's yeah. like, all right. Yeah. What did you guys think of the effects for um, the monsters that were being summoned by the All Black, the Necrosword? Like, I thought they were fine. Nothing... Nothing I knew what it was. It was just CGI, so it was like it wasn't. Yeah, it wasn't almost, too grasping, but it's like I almost felt like they could have probably done those practical, and it, they would have hit a little bit harder. But I liked the design of them at least. Yeah, like, they did feel menacing when yeah. they showed up in Asgard. So, mm-hmm. yeah, and I heard heard that they they shot most of this film in the volume soundstage. Uh, oh, look, okay. the same yeah. the same stage that they used to film the the Star Wars TV show like Mandalorian oh, cool. Obi Wan, yeah. um, which which might which may have a hand on like the on the mixed reception of the visual effects uh, in in the film. So I, I thought I thought they were fine, but like I could see how some people are like uh, th- these are these could have been better. Yeah, but you can tell they've been using that a lot. Like in Black Panther too, like the CGI in Black Panther, as great as the movie as it was, it could have been a whole lot better, especially oh, yeah. with the rhinos. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah, and the, the la- that last fight too with the, with oh, Black Kill- Panther and Killmonger, it, yeah. it could have been. We didn't need CGI. They could have put them in the costume and just let them duke it out, like mm-hmm. which would have been fun. Yeah, yeah, that would have been dope. But, yeah, but I do think you know the fighting in this movie that was pretty fun. Um, the Eternity stuff, whatever it was, it, like it worked. Yeah, and um, he was able to see uh, Uatu there as well. Yeah. I'm curious what's next, though, because I don't think that they're doing another Thor movie for quite a while. No. It's going to be at least five, seven years. No, I think it's... Yeah. I don't even think he's even, uh, like, mentioned in the next, like, few, you know, lineups. <laughs> Yeah, because I know what's coming up is Wakanda Forever, and then there's Quantumania, the next Ant-Man movie. Um, and, and also, too, what I've noticed, too, is that there's not, besides um, besides the last episode of Loki, the first season, there's no other mention of Kang the, the Conqueror. Like, I know that, like, on the one hand, I do appreciate Phase 4, like, feeling more standalone with their films. Like, each film feeling like it, it, it acknowledges a shared universe, but they don't have to build to a big bad. But at the same time, it's like, well, I mean, you, you did mention this big deal character in, in, in Kang. you think that there would be more of a build-up at this point. But now it's just like, eh, we'll just save him for maybe Quantumania. Well, he's definitely in Quantumania. Yeah, but but then again, like, I, I, just, re- I just regard Kang as, like, Thanos 2.0. It's like, whoa, instead of the uni- instead of one universe being in danger, all the universes are in danger. Yeah, but I do also think that he's not quite... He's not going to be the big bad. He's going to be a... He's going to be a heavy player mm-hmm. because Kang was the one who um, discovered the multiverse. Mm-hmm. 
But um, so yeah, I think he would be a huge player, but not the he's not going to be the ultimate villain. And I actually just saw in a in a recent um article that Kevin Feige said that they you will end up seeing within the next like few months who who the uh ultimate who the ultimate villain is in this um hmm. in this whole storyline. Hmm. I I did not realize. I thought Black Panther was dropping next year. Yep. Um, November. Yeah, November. This... Yep. That's a lot. Yeah. So I, I think Kang is going to play play a bigger role down the line. But I think he's going to be the first example of a real heavy hitter for Marvel that sticks around for a little bit. That shows up in a movie and then he appears way later, um, in the same vein as a Loki. Right. Where he's presented very much as like no he's really a problem and then he'll he won't be taken that way until much later much later yeah mm-hmm. so uh, so who do you predict who the next big bad is going to be if not Kang damn if not Kang it, 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 yeah if they're bringing if they're bringing in the Fantastic Four it has to be Doom it's the last movie in the phase it's Doom. Metal Phase maybe Galactus I think there's going to I think Galactus will factor in more after X-Men. Mm-hmm. But I think that Doom is that guy. I think they're setting that up because ultimately there's a tie between Doom and Kang. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Doom is effectively Tony Stark on every kind of steroid together mm-hmm. in terms of just like his pure brilliance. And then you also have the occult stuff and the magic and the science yeah. and, and, the gla- and the cosmic stuff too because he's also because ca- I believe he was connected to the uh, Celestials at some point yeah. Yeah. and I think they're driving towards secret wars so if and Doom was a major big player major player in that so if they get uh, to secret wars because they keep talking about incursions, and it's been coming up way too much for it to not be a big deal. I think that it's going to start coming into focus. Because the Fantastic Four movie doesn't have a release date right now because they don't have a director. Right. As soon as they figure that out, it's going to be a very different world for Marvel fans. Yeah. Because once you bring in Doom, there's no going back. Mm-hmm. Like, Because Doom is that guy. He's I almost feel like it's disrespectful to call Doctor Doom a Fantastic Four villain, right? Because he's everybody's villain. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like he wants the smoke from everybody in the Marvel universe, and he doesn't care who he gets it from. Mm-hmm. Like he's ready for a fight. So yeah. I think he's going to be the big bad. I think they're setting it up so people are so they can kind of bait and switch it. But I'm hoping that the next few movies kind of go back to a Villain of the Week format. I'm a little disappointed that Miss Marvel didn't really do that and let her kind of indulge in the superheroics for a little while in the same way that we got to see a little bit of that with Kate Bishop. Like, I feel like they just need a... I feel like the TV shows can at least do 10 episodes. 10 episodes of, at a minimum. Yeah. Because 
I mean, I'm enjoying this Marvel, but it's just so short. They've tried to cram so much in so quick. Yeah, it's cute. It's de- I, I've described it as delightful. I'm like, this is, <laughs> this is like, this is light. This is no pressure. Like, all right, this is cool. We can we can vibe with this. Yeah. But of course, you know, the only people who hate on it are dudes who like either hate women or hate brown people. Yeah. Period. Yeah. So. Well, this show got to be political. <laughs> It's Representation like, matters. You've never read a comic book. <laughs> yeah, I've never read Oh God, don't like, listen. Don't get don't get don't get me started with the whole yeah. Punisher blue stripe thing. Ugh. Oh my God. I make it a point to just be like every time I see one Punisher hated cops and just keep going. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's like just so you know, <laughs> he'd probably kill you for that sticker. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I'm like, oh Derek Chauvin, yeah, he would have been dead a long time yeah, ago. Like, we it wouldn't even been no trial. <laughs> Because Frank Castle is just jury and executioner in yep. every instance. Oh, so, yeah. yeah. So I, I agree with you. I think the shows need to be 10 episodes. Mm-hmm. Unless it's someone that, like Hawkeye, fine at six. Yeah. That was okay. That was fun. It was a fun little Christmas romp. Like, oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool. Falcon and Winter Soldier, same deal. I was happy when it, I was like, all right, this that is That was cool. about seven? Oh, it was about six or seven. Six or seven, yeah. 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 And... You know, WandaVision, I understand why they did it the way they did it, but it was fine at the nine episodes. So I think the shows they need to push out to at least 10. If not, you know, if not 10, at least give us eight. So mm-hmm. we have a little bit more time with characters. Yeah. But, you know, I think we're driving very quickly towards the destination of the next big bad. So mm. we'll see. We'll see that start coming into focus because I think Namor is going to be a big bad. Yeah, potentially. Like Namor is going to be a problem. So Ooh, we'll speak, yeah. speaking of the whole Punisher thing, Jerry Conway is going to be at Rhode Island Comic Con. I'm gonna ask him that question. Hmm. Oh yeah. Oh, about if Punisher hated cops. Oh, <laughs> just to put it out there and confirm yep. it, like mm-hmm. yo, y'all may want to. Co- Making a change to that ugly ass logo. Oh my god, the comics! I'm enjoying the comic run. Yeah. But god, that logo's so ugly. It's distracting. Terrible. Mm. The new logo is terrible. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. But uh, but the, I think the real question is um, to wrap it up: Is Thor: Love and Thunder just as good as Morbius? Yeah. <laughs> I didn't even see it. I still <laughs> I haven't seen Morbius. I've seen it. Won't see it. Yeah, I knew what it was. <laughs> I was like, no, I'm not doing this to myself. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I probably will because I'm a glutton for punishment. Yeah, I'm. I'm not gonna bother with Morbius. I mean, you, you have fun with Jared Leto. Yeah, you already did when you watched House of Gucci. <laughs> Man, like I'll say this: like, oh, wow, if you watch that, huh? House of Gucci. That movie looked terrible from the trailer. <laughs> no, like House of Gucci. It's a. It, it has. It was. It was clear where that Jared Leto was acting in a whole different movie from the rest of the cast. Like if if Morbius had like a fake Italian accent and it was exaggerated, I'd probably would give the movie a chance and just watch it for the camp value. But as it stands, I'm like, yes, yeah, Sony. Like outside of Spider Man, I mean, your two Venom movies, from what I hear, they're not very good. And then you got Morbius, and you tried to bait people with Michael Keaton's Vulture. I don't know. They're making a movie about, Craven. I guess, a compassionate Craven the Hunter, and I'm just like. Yeah, well, not seeing that. <laughs> but starring exactly. Quicksilver. 
how would that work? Aaron Taylor Johnson is playing him. It's good, good casting. Good casting. Um, good. He's a good actor, but a compassionate cra- Craven. Like, I'm just trying to picture Craven if he were a member of PETA. Oh God. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> well, there's all the visual markers of the character going. Here's your movie. Oh man, Dude. that's. That's depressing, isn't it? That's sad. <laughs> yeah. It, it makes me think of that, that episode of The Simpsons where Itchy and Scratchy became sanitized because of Marge Simpson. They love and share and love and share. Oh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I, I feel like that's Sony just, Sony won't give up. They can't. Like, mm. like, all right, uh, Black Cat and Silver Sable. And I'm just like, oh, God. Madam Web. Oh, God. Oh, <laughs> Remember when Sony like they were they ha- they were so strapped for ideas they were gonna make an Aunt May movie with Sally Fields Aunt they May they were they were they were thinking about it they really were <laughs> that was an idea yeah that was a serious pitch they yeah. were like we can make an Aunt May story yeah like it's Aunt- like oh god like, <laughs> like what was it Aunt May used to be a spy or something oh my god like Nick Wachini says Sony's crazy plans not plans making him an animal lover he's going to be a less tough Cruella. Oh, uh, he's gonna be less tough than Cruella. Oh my goodness! Like it's bad. He, it's bad he, out he, here. Is he gonna go after people wearing like faux faux um, fur coats or something? He's gonna throw paint at them. He yeah. better not. <laughs> he's, gonna, that he's gonna have a paint gun. Just which the sad thing is, they'll probably do it. They will do it. Mm. And Marvel had such a layup for you know. A Spider-Man movie with a Craven's Last Hunt. They could have mm. used Craven in Black Panther too. They could have mm. done all kinds of things. And now we're gonna get Peter Craven. <laughs> so I'm like, the name doesn't even fit anymore. Just, mm. So no, Sony. The only thing Sony's done right with Spider-Man is give the, the film rights partially back to Marvel mm. and make a really great video game. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like the Sony PS4 game. Oh yeah, Miles Morales too. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I have, I have no faith in Sony at this point. No, well, no. Well, with their with their live action non Spider Man stuff, they're doing really well with the the Spider Verse animated films. Like across the Spider Verse, I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, yeah. Like, okay, we'll give them that. Yeah, the animated the animated we'll Spider Verse. Just leave leave. Just leave stop. the live action alone. Yeah. Just stop. Because like they're like Venom worked, so we can do this with all of Spider-Man villains. Like, nope. Have, like, a nope. Yeah. <laughs> oh God. Or no. movie with the Scorpion. Just by himself. <laughs> it's like, so we'll see. We'll see. Oh man. Uh, <laughs> oh we oh we oh we can we can go down the line. Um, oh yeah. What 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 other what other Spider-Man villains can we just throw in there? Have their own movie or characters? Ooh, how about we have like a tombstone. Tombstone. They're or... giving one to a character who's been in two movies, two uh, uh, no two comics. El mm-hmm. uh, oh, we... El Muerte. Yeah, El Muerte. El Muerte. And like, you know who's playing him? Who? Bad Bunny. Really? Huh. Bad Bunny. Wow, he's getting that bread. You know what? Hey, as long as, it, as he's popular, kids like him, he's getting that bread. You know what? I can't hate him in his endeavors. Like, but He's the same size as me! <laughs> yeah, C- C- CG him up. CG him up. 
Yeah, give, gonna, give him the She-Hulk effect. Yeah, it better be animated. <laughs> it's going to be... I'm just like, he's only been in two comics. Like, uh, what are you pulling from? <laughs> We're just going to say, well, this guy's kind of interesting. Like, I just want to be a fly on the wall at Sony pitch meetings. Mm-hmm. So, like, all right, we still got the Spider-Man license. What do you got? And everybody's, like, just pulling out, like, uh, uh, Tombstone. Tombstone? Oh, okay, he's a leader of a motorcycle gang. Uh, there you go. Boom. Tombstone. <laughs> Superhero Sons of Anarchy. There you go. Bam. Charlie Hunnam, is he doing anything now? <laughs> uh, and the Sabbath, yeah, and or, they would make Tombstone white when we all know who he's, he's black. He's brother. <laughs> Or they can have like, oh, here's another pitch meeting, like Aunt, Aunt May, Aunt May, Uncle Ben, romantic comedy, bam. That could work, though. Yeah. That could work. Or like J. Jonah Jameson, like intrepid journalist, like how did he become a bitter old man and hate who hates Spider-Man? The life story. I mean, they're, at this point, they'll do, Anything. they're making a Madam Web movie. Who's Madam Web? Madam Web was like, I don't want to say like the tree in Pocahontas to Spider-Man and Spider-Man the Animated Series. Like, mm. remember the old Disney movie, Pocahontas, like he mm. would talk to the tree? Yeah. yeah. The tree kind of had like a bit of a face. Uh, oh, yeah. It was like a, like. Spider-Man like version of that. Sage. It was the Spider-Man oh. version of that. And like, she communes with spider totems. And oh. I'm like. Okay, this is going to be a mess. So, we'll see. Yeah, that, I don't see how you can pull a movie from that. But, okay. <laughs> wow. They got a movie from Venom. They got a movie from Venom and Carnage. And, it, yeah, and they were what they were. So, from what yeah. I, hear. I told you the best thing about, Ven- about Let There Be Carnage was Woody Harrelson worked but he... Did what he was perfect casting, but he just did what he he just worked with what he they gave him. Did his best. He tried. He tried. Wow. All ninety minutes of it. And then the best part was the post credits. (laughs) Yep. Damn. Yeah. Well, I'm 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 already eager for the Sony Marvel verse. Let's let's go. <laughs> you know what? I gotta look this up. But uh, but yeah, um, I I would have paid good money to see an Aunt May movie for out of curiosity. Sally, I mean Sally Fields, she's an she's an Oscar winning actor. She might have won her second Oscar. Who knows? But <laughs> oh god. But uh, but yeah, uh, uh, Thor: Love and Thunder. To sum up, any final thoughts about this movie or anything else? It was fine. <laughs> hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was it, you know, it was middle of the road, you know, doesn't raise the bar or lower it, but it could have been so much more than what it was. Christian Bale again, best element of the whole film. Um too good of an actor to play a, a one-off villain, but mm-hmm. you know, it is what it is. Uh Carl, any final thoughts about Thor? Uh It was fun. It it was fun, but I just don't expect a Oscar-winning performance uh like an Oscar-winning movie, but um I'm actually very intrigued to see what the other two hours of deleted scenes were. Mm. Yeah. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm curious about that. There was another montage in there somewhere. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> okay, we almost had night. So, Nightwatch was one. And uh, Sony wanted Spike Lee to direct it. Random. Wow. I mean, what, what about a Night Thrasher movie? I heard it was pretty popular in the 90s. Yeah, Jackpot. <laughs> Slapstick. Olivia Wilde was signed to develop a female-centric Marvel film. Damn, we could have got Marvel's Birds of Prey. Hey, Birds of Prey is a good movie. Damn it. Birds of Prey was fun. Yeah. There you go. You yeah. got it. I mean... <laughs> I'll take it. Completely threw out Cassandra Cain, but... It's all right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, here it is. They suggested our man. Yep. Yeah. There you go. Series in development. Oh, it canceled it. <laughs> Silver and Black. Black Cat and Silver Sable. Mm. I mean, the Silk idea, that could have had some legs. But she's already in the, she's in the MCU. Yeah. Oh, she is? Yeah, she's one of Peter's uh, classmates, an Asian one. Oh, okay. I forgot his name. Uh, Cindy Moon. Yeah, Cindy Moon. I just got a... I forgot what the exact issue is. I think it was... Silk issue four, the latest run, is a virgin cover with uh, the web with the webbed costume. Yeah, it's got a nine point eight back from CBCS, so very happy about that. Hmm. <laughs> Covers dope as shit, but she doesn't need her own television show. No, she don't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, there it is. Uh, Thor: Love and Thunder, along with some uh, Marvel talk. Uh, let us know what you think uh, once you have a chance to watch. Uh, the film, unless, unless you've, you know, you don't mind spoilers. Hey, we welcomed you into the discussion nonetheless. Thank you for thank you all for watching and listening. Uh, Sean, uh, uh, before we wrap up, uh, tell the good people where they can find your stuff. Uh, I'm at Sean Stampede on Twitter, Sean the Stampede on Instagram, and you can find the Black Nerd Book Club at blacknerdbookclub.com. Um, hey, we're always looking for volunteers. If you, or if you know, we're always trying to connect to people who have kids, and your kids like comic books. You can find all of our event information on Facebook. The next one, I believe, is coming up in either August or September. Um, and yeah, bring the family, and we look forward to seeing you all around. Thank you guys for having me. Oh man, yeah. thanks for coming out. Thanks for inviting out, you know inviting me out to watch this movie with y'all. Hey man, we we do these for. Almost every movie that comes out, not always an IMAX, but yeah. you know, we try to. This was one that we probably could have done, <laughs> right? Like, yeah. But yeah, most definitely. And we'll be having meetups starting soon for just, you know, this is not a that's not kid centered. That's you know, if you're any color, you want to come talk about comics and you're cool. Ooh, just understand it's a black-centered space. We want nerds of color to come out, feel comfortable, and just want to kick it and meet people who are into what you're into. So um, we have, I believe we have a meetup space set up, and our next meetup will be posted on our Facebook page and um, on meetup.com. So thanks for having me, guys. Oh, man. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Now that you're, you are now officially a friend of the show, and the door is always open to come out. That was so funny. I like 
when I looked up the addresses, I was like, what street is this on? Like, oh yeah, literally like five blocks from my crib. Like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. Oh, you ain't walk home, did you? <laughs> you ain't walk here, did you? No, I was just oh, like, okay. I was coming from somewhere else, but I was like, damn, they yeah. mad close. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Thank, well, thank you once again, Sean. And also, um, big shout outs to our two sponsors. Uh, one, Silk City Hot Sauce. Uh, go to SilkCityHotSauce.com. Use the promo code CODEX. You'll get 15% off your order. And also, big shout outs to Infamous Customs. That's M-F-A-M-U-Customs.com. Yep, there you go. And obviously, you know, you can find us on Facebook. Thank you for watching. Uh, Twitter at Codex Prime Cast. Instagram, Codex Prime Podcast. All your podcasting platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Anchor, SoundCloud. Yep. I always feel like I'm forgetting one, oh. and I probably didn't name them all. We, we out here. Yeah. Yeah, we're out. We are here. Select interview, uh, select uh, content on bonus content on YouTube. One that we just uh, recorded at the uh, Washington Park Library, where we just did interviewed a whole me- uh, whole bunch of um, local uh, authors. And big shout out to Miss uh, Marilyn Wade for having us. So. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So yeah, once again, thank y'all for watching and listening. Um, as always, we'll catch you on the flip. Peace out, nerds. Later. Later.